My name is Harrison Wheeler, and this is Technically Speaking. What's up, Technically Speaking family? A new day, another new episode, and another opportunity to share a much-needed conversation with the world. Today's topic is around connection. Did you know around 60% or so of Americans were reporting feeling lonely on a regular basis? What do we do when we don't have the physical connection like we used to? In this episode, my guest is Kat Velos, creative facilitator and author of the book, We Should Get Together. We dive into her journey from designer to entrepreneur, the importance of facilitation, and the four seeds of connection. So you'll want to stay tuned in. Here's Kat in her own words. I'm releasing this book about adult friendship because when I moved to the Bay Area, it was something that I struggled with. I made tons of acquaintances and quote unquote friends all the time, but forming like deep, strong, like true heart friendships was much more heart, more hard. And I was like, well, this is not okay. And so anyways, I invested a lot of time and energy into researching and writing on this topic. And so when I released that book um, called We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Adult Friendships, or Better Friendships, is that... I wanted to help people have better friendships in life. But I just had then this conversation with the world where the world was saying, yes, we need this. Will you come do more of this kind of work with us here in the world? Well, that's enough for the introduction. Let's get into the show. Hi, everybody. My name is Harrison Wheeler, and I'm super excited for my guest today, Kat Velos. She's a dynamic author, speaker, facilitator, and she's been featured on the New York Times, Forbes, Thrive Global, you name it. And she's also the author of We Should Get Together, a book which she released earlier this year. And additionally, she does a ton of amazing workshops on personal growth and connections that you all should sign up for. Welcome to the show. Hey, Harrison. Thanks so much for having me on the show. My introduction was a little bit long. In your own words, how would you introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the hardest question ever because uh, I have so many things that I like to do um, yeah. and that are the expression of the things I care about in the world. So like you said, you know, some of that's facilitation, some of it's writing, some of it's um, convening communities. Um, really, it's just all of that. I, I really think that as a designer, a creative person um, and community member, like there's just like no one medium that I work in. And I sort of think of myself as a multi-hyphenate, you know, multi-dimensional kind of creator. I love that. I love that. And and I've gotten to know you, or at least we've we've interacted with each other when I first moved out to the Bay Area as a part of Bay Area Black Designers, in which I learned about you from Maurice, who also has his own podcast that's been running for a long time uh, called Revision Path. What led you to kind of start on this journey of of connecting folks? It's just something that I think I was drawn to around the time I got out of college because I lived in a, a smaller town um, where like a lot of people knew each other. And so it was like very easy to pull people together to do things as a group. Um, and ever since then, it's just been something I've drawn to is like whenever there's something missing in life or something that feels like it should be a part of uh, what's available for folks. I'm just like, oh, like we can just make that, you know, and I really mm. value 
that at that time in my life, you know, right after college, the people I was friends with were people who were very much like, oh, if we want something, we can just make it. We can just do it ourselves. Mm. And so that's really informed um, the way that I've approached a lot of things in life and, and just felt like whether it's a group or a learning experience or something creative, like if you are, if there's at least two of you, that's enough to do it together. So um, yeah. I did, that's just kind of like a spirit that I have held on to for many years. You started out in user experience design. So kind of what was the journey going into that pathway and sort of did the connection around people? Is that something that came out of that? Or is that like a motivator in terms of just like giving you more clarity in terms of building products for people? Well, I actually started out in graphic design. That's what I got my um, major in college in. And I worked as a graphic designer and art director for um, Alternative News Weekly. And so spending, you know, the first part of my career doing graphic design in that way, like connected to journalism and uh, mm. educating the public and things like that. And then I wanted to feel like I was making a bigger impact in people's lives. So I actually left that job to do a couple years of AmeriCorps and spent some years in nonprofit where I was designing programs for people to experience when they would come in. So it's still designed, but it's like for a real life experience, not through yeah. a device or a piece of media. And so when I left that experience and was like, okay, I want to go back to doing like more like design design <laughs> um, <clears throat> or like, you know, classical design, user experience design was a career path that was not available when mm -hmm. I was in college because it was still quite new. And so it really combined the combination of the experience I had as a graphic designer and also the experience I had as a facilitator, facilitator and like designer of facilitated spaces where mm. you're designing for people and for them to go through a flow in some kind of logical way and to um, have a certain desired result. And so that's in many ways like a, a way of thinking about user experience design. And so um, that is, it was just like a perfect marriage of the things that I had done already in life and that I cared about. Um, and of course, product design, which you also mentioned does include then like visual design, UI design, frankly, that is less interesting to me than the experience design. And, um, and I've worked away from that. I've done that as well. And I prefer more to focus on experience rather than like the specific visuals. Yeah. I want to, I want to dive into the facilitation piece a little bit more, especially around the design aspect. Um, because a lot of, a lot of conversations that I've had with folks and even with, you know, the teams or designers that I've managed over the years, um, I've really started to hone in on the importance of facilitation. Um, so why is that such an integral part, uh, in, in the process and for you, um, was it the experience around like actually working with people? Is that something that motivated and got you that understanding right away? Because I think for a lot of designers, this is a skill that they don't really see until a little bit later in their career. For me, the part like being of service to people, feeling connected to people and helping them get their needs met is the part that's gratifying to me. Uh, I know you know, for, for some kinds of designers or artists, and it's not like there's one right way, but for some folks, you know, it's enough to create something beautiful, like just visually stunning. And that's mm -hmm. like all the gratification they need is like, wow, I created this thing. It's so, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And to me, if it, if it's not a conversation, if it's not some kind of two-way energy exchange between me and the other person who's going to experience it, it, it's less gratifying. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
And so that's part of the reason why I think my career kind of pulled me towards like more and more in the user experience side, as opposed to the visual side. And then as far as facilitation, which you mentioned as well, um, that is all about, you know, working with human beings and helping them go from where they are now to some kind of desired outcome or some desired end uh, experience. And so through that conversation that you're in during a facilitated experience, um, or in the case of user experience design, you know, the user research and the things that you do to incorporate that conversation, the people that you're going to be in service to, that is a part of the facilitated experience right. design dance. Right, right. So now that you've kind of taken us through that, um, you mentioned you've kind of moved away from the, the product design experience. So um, in the past, you were working at Pandora when we, we, when we first met and then eventually Slack. And now you're doing your own thing. Um, tell us a little bit more about the motivation of kind of branching off from like the corporate world into, you know, doing things yourself and, and what does that all entail? Yeah. So I did not necessarily expect <laughs> that I was going to start my own business and uh, go into entrepreneurship and working for myself, but it really yeah. came out of the world like what the world needed and what I had to offer, like aligning at the mm -hmm. right time. So earlier this year in January, I released a book that I'd been working on for the last four or five years off and on. And when you create something like a book, you know, one of the great quotes I read as I was working on it is that your book has two lives. It has the life it has while it's with you, while you're just creating it, working on it. And then it has a life in the world where you release it and you don't know what's going to happen how people will respond to it or what might occur. And that was very, very true for me. I was like, well, I, I'm releasing this book about adult friendship because when I moved to the Bay Area, it was something that I struggled with. I made a, tons of acquaintances and quote unquote friends all the time, but forming like yeah. deep, strong, like true heart friendships was much mm -hmm. more, heart, more hard. And I found that the more people I talked to about that, the more they said they were struggling with that. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And I mm. dug into the research and found out that the United States was actually in a loneliness epidemic and, um, you know, half the population felt lonely on a regular basis. And I was like, well, this is not okay. Yeah. And so anyways, I invested a lot of time and energy into researching and writing on this topic. And so when I released that book um, called We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Adult Friendships or Better Friendships is that I wanted to help people have better friendships in life. I want to reduce this loneliness epidemic. And... I could see that people needed it because yeah. of how prevalent it was in the research. And when it was released, I just had then this conversation with the world where the world was saying, yes, we need this. Will you come do more of this mm -hmm. kind of work with us here in the world? And that took the form of a lot of different things, uh, whether it was requests to do workshops or uh, speaking or even uh, coaching or facilitating on this topic and even consulting with products in the digital space like apps or right. websites that exist to serve the same problem or the solution, you know, which is about social wellness, emotional well-being, connection, community, like healing these uh, gaps in our, in our society. And so, you know, I could have stayed working at Slack where I had been for almost three years and it was mm. great, but I would rather be of service to the world in this way that aligns all the things that I care about, uh, including yeah. this book that I poured my heart into. So 
it was the world saying like, come, come be with us in this way, come do this work. And it will use all of the gifts that you have instead of just some of them. Ever have an idea of starting a podcast? I had one for quite a while before I took the leap and started Technically Speaking. Anchor.fm made it easier than ever. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast and it has everything you need in one place. Let me explain. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. It handles all of your distribution so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Did I mention it's free? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And so I said, yes. <laughs> so, so you said it took you about five years to write the book. Like, yeah, how, well, how, I didn't what? know for the first couple years that I was going to yeah. write a book. <laughs> I was just like researching right. and writing these essays and doing some uh, kind of qualitative research and social experiments and things, kind of like testing these hypotheses about how we could make friendship better. Yeah. Um, and then it was the last two years when I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book now. And then <laughs> it was a little more clear. Yeah. At what point was it just like, all right, I need to get this out? As far as like deciding when yeah. to release it? You went through a range of emotion and just discovery. There's also probably a few aha moments where it's just not something that's in your head. It's talking to friends, it's doing the research. So at what point were you like, all right, I need to complete this? In 2018, I was like, yes, I'm writing a book and let me figure out that process. Mm -hmm. and, but by 2019, I knew, I was like, I need to have this out. Mm. as soon as possible. And that urgency was based on the fact that this is something that so many millions of people have struggled with. And the need for resources and tools to solve this problem was so prevalent. So mm. I'll give you an example. One of the things that I was tracking as I was working on the book was um, all of these different studies that have gone into how Americans rate their feelings of loneliness and how often this topic even shows up in something as simple as like hashtags, you mm. know, and from one month to another, I would see the total number of posts tagged lonely on Instagram going from 5 million to 7 million in a month or two. And I'm like, what is going on? Kind of like if you're looking at a thermometer and it just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, you're like, whoa, yeah. like, this is actually so serious. People need this yeah. thing now. And so my sense of urgency was based on like, I need to give this and put it in people's hands as quickly as I can, because the yeah. need is great. And it only is continuing to get worse. And the stats change so quickly, like even I, in yeah. the first, so even in the first few months of 2020, the um, Cigna study into loneliness had to be re-updated because the percentage point that Americans were feeling lonely had risen already, like another five to 6%, which is like mm. a huge jump. It was around 49% at the time that I researched the book, which I'm pulling over right now. And then in January yeah. of 2020, it was up to like 61%. So some of these were going up a lot and very quickly. And, it, and I you were working with this before the pandemic. Now, since it is hit, those numbers are changed and probably strewed a, a lot more. Have you seen this book resonate with folks, I would say, 
since before March to now? Like, what is that? What is sort of the feedback been? Well, what's interesting is that in the early part of this year, it was around 60% or so of Americans were reporting feeling lonely on a regular basis. Yeah. And one of the, I hate to say there's any upside to a pandemic, but one of the things that is very um, clear is that anytime you tell people they're not allowed to do something, they're going to want to do it. If you tell them they're not allowed <laughs> to have something, they're going to want to have it. Right. And so when you tell people, okay, we're in a pandemic, you can't have gatherings or you can't go hang out face to face with your friends, all of a sudden, oh my God, we value gatherings so much. Oh my God, we value our <laughs> friends so much. And so the upside is that when you've made it harder for people to connect, suddenly they realize how valuable connection is. Mm. And so what's useful about that is that the stats around loneliness particularly that like 61% or so has not actually been getting worse this year. It's leveled off and kind of like plateaued at that because as yeah. people have paid more attention to how do we stay in touch from a distance? How do we have like virtual things or phone things or whatever it might be to maintain our connections when we can't go travel and see our friends and family and we can't have a party and like eat dinner together. Right. Um, people pay more attention. Right. And it's frustrating because it's not as good as real life, like face to face, but there's more attention to it. So, right. and it's not everybody too. Some people are right. feeling more isolation and loneliness now, and it's important that we focus on helping them meet their needs too. So how do you handle it? One of the things I've tried to make really clear this year, and I've talked about this a lot, particularly on my Instagram for the book, is that social wellness is at the core of what this book is about. But social wellness means nothing if it doesn't have a healthy physical body to live in. Like mm. you got to be alive right. <laughs> to have friends. Right. And being alive is the most important goal when you're in a pandemic. Right. Um, stay, stay healthy, stay alive. Um, and so for me, like the primacy of that goal of like do everything you can to stay healthy and to keep other people physically healthy around you so we don't get COVID is number one. And right. then second to that is like, now what are all the creative ways? Like we can build community from a distance or maintain our friendships from a distance. Mm. And there are so many ways. Right. And so for me, those are the, that's the order of priority without a doubt, a hundred percent, let there be no confusion about that. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how I live my life. Mostly cool. inside these four walls, <laughs> connecting with people in a similar way to what we're doing right now. So in the book, you mentioned that there's four tenets to building those better social connections. Like what, if you could give the listeners an idea, what are those four? Yeah. So the four, I call them the seeds of connection mm -hmm. in the book and their compatibility, frequency, proximity, and commitment. And in each of those, there's also some subcategories, right? So um, mm. a tenant of commitment would certainly be things like reciprocity and trust and dedication and caring. Um, and, you know, a tenant of compatibility is often like chemistry and like, do you have like similar vibes and styles, um, when it comes to your communication style, your lifestyle. And so all of these are important. And one yeah. of the things that I emphasize in the book, and this is pre COVID, I say, in the book, you don't need to have all four in a hundred percent capacity in order to have a good friendship. Like 
one of my best friends and I have no proximity, you know, even though I talk about proximity as something that's really important for cultivating connection and can be useful, but we live on opposite sides of the country right. and we have for most of our adult lives, but that doesn't mean we can't be best friends. So those are the four. And uh, I describe each of them and talk about ways that people can cultivate more of them. And also um, it's important for people to also assess for themselves, like what are the ones that feel most important or non-negotiable for them? And what are ones that maybe are less important? So uh, some of the people I've spoken with, for example, say that frequency is not as important to them. Like they don't have to talk every week or even every couple of weeks because they have such a high amount of trust and such right. a high amount of commitment in that friendship mm -hmm. that they know they're going to be close, even if their frequency is low. Whereas for other people, frequency is extremely important. And if they don't talk for a while, they start to wonder, like, are we still friends? And they get mm -hmm. a great deal of fulfillment out of having somebody feel like a regular and frequent presence in their life. So the way that we navigate proximity, frequency, compatibility, and commitment are uh, individual. And yeah. obviously, people have more success if they have similar priorities as their friends. Um, but it's useful to reflect and to yeah. assess like what's really important to you, what's kind of non-negotiable, what's healable, and yeah. what do you want to make a priority? So how can folks, if they want to read your book, where can they buy it? They can get it anywhere they buy books. I always recommend getting from an independent bookseller or bookshop.org, which um, supports independent bookstores in addition mm -hmm. to being a really, really wonderful online source of buying books. But of course, it's available if they only, I'm going to say only in quotes, can get it at Amazon because let's be real, that's not the only place you can get a book. Right, right. <laughs> um, but it's there. It's also on Kindle and all the other places. And the eBooks are on my website, we should get together.com. And on top of that, we talked over workshops earlier. You're also doing a workshop for folks that are interested in writing a book, specifically designers. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So over the course of learning how to write a book by DIYing it, um, I just spent thousands of hours and thousands of dollars and classes and trainings and courses and things like that, really figuring it out. And I didn't want it to be that hard for other people. I wanted it to be more affordable, more fast, more mm. efficient. And as a designer, I also uh, feel like a sense of commitment to my design community as well. And yeah. I know that as designers, we come in the door to this task with a certain skill set that actually makes it a little bit easier, whether you want to do your own design and layout, or if you just want to be the creative director of that and outsource it. And so I created the designer to author course because I wanted to support other designers in getting their books out when they want to do so in an independent fashion. I'm an extremely independent person. I also really love supporting independent artists and creators. So I love indie film. I love indie art. I love indie music. I love yeah. anything that's like you can create this because you have the ability to create it. You don't need to go through a gatekeeper. And yeah. as a black queer woman, the other thing is that traditional publishing has typically relevate, relegated um, black authors and queer authors to this like sub, 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 sub category, which is like, oh, will this book resonate with black readers? And then like pigeonhole us as like only able to write a book that could be read by black people, which right. is not necessarily the case if I'm writing a book that's for anybody of any ethnicity or right. race. And I didn't want to deal with those politics, honestly. Right. And so um, as someone whose career started out working for an independent news journalism magazine, I was like, why would I ask for permission to write my own right. book? So 
I really believe in DIYing it and owning your process and owning your profits and everything that goes yeah. along with that. So that's why I created the course. And I'm really excited about all the great people I've uh, gotten to help teach this process to and to help them shepherd their books along the, along the path of getting into the world. When does registration close? In about a week. So oh, um, I do run it. <laughs> I do run it periodically again. So yeah. uh, the January, February course will be kicking off soon and registration closes in about a week. But um, I will be running it again. So if somebody misses it and doesn't get into this one, uh, just check the website, we should get together.com and it will be listed again at some point in the next year. Well, I'm going to put my name down, if not this next week, the next one. So I'm, I'm super, super excited for this. It has been an extremely inspiring year to just watch you from afar between the book release, um, obviously your workshops, what's next for you? What's, what's cat in 2021? <laughs> Um, first of all, thank you for your kind words. Second of all, probably honestly more of the same, you know, yeah. this is, I'm doing literally everything I want to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll take a few more breaks next year, but this is the stuff I want to be doing. I, I love running the communities that I'm running, whether it's Barry Black Designers or Connection Club, which is another thing I started this year for folks in pandemic in mm -hmm. isolation. Um, or whether it's doing the designer to author course, which I just love, 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 or doing the coaching and consulting facilitation work with folks who are also dedicated to social wellness. Um, this is all the stuff I love. So yeah, more of the same, more fun, and hopefully more time outside without yeah. a pandemic if we're lucky. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, we're gonna wrap up with a few quick fire questions. So I'll start with this. In your, in your design world experience, what is one thing that doesn't get talked about enough? Mm. Designer loneliness, actually. Mm. Yeah. I did a bit of some interviews and research on designers this year, their experience of connection. And that was something that a lot of people don't talk about. Mm. And I just want to say they're not alone when they feel alone. They're really not. Mm. I, this should be in, an, in another follow-up book. That should be a different. <laughs> yes. There's a lot there, but I don't, I don't, we're not going to have enough time to get we're through We're doing quick fire questions. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite holiday tradition? Uh, <laughs> um, that's a really interesting one because I'm not really into the holidays, but yeah. oh, I have one. It's actually one I've been doing for a long time. It's just like a, a solo tradition though. At the yeah. end of every year, right before New Year's, I take a couple of days and do like a whole year reflection. Mm -hmm where I like journal about everything that happened that year and what I learned and what I want the next year to be. And that um, really, really deep reflection process is a tradition for me at mm. the end of every year. Necessary, so necessary. This is my last one. What does self-care look like for Kat? Self-care for Kat, ooh. Well, when it's warm, I love to be in my garden, just working mm. with my plants. Um, and even in the winter, when I really, really, need self-care I'll just bundle up and go out there and like be in the garden usually pulling weeds but replanting things <laughs> prepping yeah you know being out there with the plants and the bees and the butterflies like and the bugs like that that's my self-care is there anything that you want to leave with the listeners before we sign off mm, I would say if there's something you've been wanting to do this is the time to do it all right well, how can folks get in touch with you? 
Well, folks can, if they want to find out about any of my upcoming events, they can go to weshouldgettogether.com. They can also get on my email newsletter there where I send out um, advice and strategies for connection as well as uh, heads up on early events, shout outs and things like that. Um, If they want to just like stay in touch with my content or they really want to follow things like this, I'm on Instagram at catvelos underscore author and on Twitter at catvelos. Those are typically where to find me on the socials and how to reach out if you want to hang out with me. <laughs> well, well, thank you for, for joining me today. And uh, this is a great episode. Um, super inspiring and, and wishing you the best of luck. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you. You too, Harrison. Stay safe, stay healthy, take good care of yourself. Enjoy this episode. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform that you use. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at harrisonwheeler.com for the latest industry insights, new article posts, and announcements of future guests on the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode of Technically Speaking. I'm your host, Harrison Wheeler, and I'm out. What's going on, world? Just letting you know that Technically Speaking is on Clubhouse. So if you have access to the application, go ahead and search for Technically Speaking and join the nearly 5,000 members globally every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We talk about a whole range of different topics supplemental to a lot of the themes on the show. We've got folks that are early in their careers, late in their careers, across different industries, all sharing their experiences, expertise, and tips on stage. It's something that you don't want to miss. I personally look forward to having you in the club and seeing you on stage. That's Technically Speaking on Clubhouse.